morning, ladies and gents. How you doing this morning? You guys good? Oh, come on, you could do better than that. Listen, today, listen, today we have the privilege of considering something that's monumental to our lives. It's truth. Truth is important. Would you agree? If you believe that God has something to say to you, then say this with me. Say, I have ears to hear. I have eyes to perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living word of God. Now, come on now. Give it up for God. You're expecting great things. We're believing that God is meeting you right where you are. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled True Lies. True Lies. And the intent through this study is uh, to address some of the and examine some of the common lies that we hold to be true in our lives. Now, let me tell you what, what I'm talking about specifically today. I'll get into that in a second. But there is nothing worse than believing a lie that we wrap under the guise of God's truth. I want you to think about that. There are certain things that we attribute to God. There are certain sayings, certain beliefs, certain things that we hold to that we attribute to God that have nothing to do with God. And that's the worst kind of lie to believe. Because that's the lie that you attribute to God, and, and when you get results that don't work, you blame God for it. You ever been there? I've been there. Well, today I'd like to talk to you about another lie that has become a common belief among many believers today. It's the lie that says, God won't give me more than I can handle. God won't give me more than I can handle. And I know some of you are thinking, but wait, that's in the Bible. And, I, and before you tune me out, I want us to turn to the scriptures and let's look at the source of this misconception. And then let's really dig into God's word and see what it really says and what it means for our lives. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Let me translate that for you. What you're going through, it's not unique to you. You're not the only one going through it. That's what the scripture is saying. It says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle is what the scripture is saying there. But when you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can endure it. In other words, so that you can make it through it. So this verse does not say that God won't give you more than you can handle. It's not what the scripture says at all. What it actually says is that when temptation comes and it threatens to overtake you, you are not without the ability to overcome it. And so, see, you can overcome it because God knows your limits, and therefore he provides you the strength you need to overcome by giving you a way out. So, you know that thing that you struggle with and feel like you can't get over? Got good news for you. You can. Somebody say, I can. I pray you believe that. You know that area of your life that you are prone to drop the ball in that you wish would change and that you could change? Guess what? You can. There's a way out. You know that hurdle that you believe you can't get over no matter how hard you try? I got great news for you. You can. You can make it over that hurdle. Now, it's important to mention here that God is not the author of that which we are tempted with. The scripture does not say that. 
as a matter of fact, there's evidence in the New Testament, there's scripture in the New Testament that tells us that God is a tempter of no man. God does not lead you into temptation. God does not give you the challenges and the issues that you undergo in life. But God does give you and I what we need to overcome them. And sometimes it's simply the way out. And so it's important for us to understand this for the lie that it is. Because if we don't, we will continue to use as an excuse, uh, we'll continue to use this lie as, as an excuse to accept the difficulties that God has nothing to do with. It's not God's fault. When it feels heavy, when it feels like you can't, when you're in the midst of trials and challenges, God did not give it to you. But this leads us to an important and yet simple truth. And this is going to ruffle some feathers. So everybody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Thank you. I feel so much better already. But here's what I want you to consider. That God does give you more than you can handle. God does give you more than you can handle. And I know for some of us right now, we're going, well, why would God do that? I agree. I, I, I get it. I'm asking the same question. What is it that God has for us, that God gives us that is more than we can handle? And to you, I simply say, and I'm going to show this to you from Scripture, it's called His promises. His promises. It's His promises. I want to use an example here just to illustrate this. If I were to ask you, what do I have in my hand? For those of you who can see it, those of you online, you're going, what is that? It's... Many of you would say it's a check. It's a check. And what I would say to you is, it's more than a check. It's money. As a matter of fact, right about now, it's in the limited amount of money. Right? You can write whatever you want on it. It's money. But this money operates according to the principle of promise. And when you accept the promise as a reality you begin to function by faith. So, I'll give you an example of that. If I gave this check to you, sir, right, and I wrote $10,000 on that, I can tell you right now that you are making plans with those $10,000, right? Your first plan is to go to the bank and make sure you deposit that so that tomorrow morning it clears, right? The second thing you're probably planning is I'm going to pay off some bills. I'm going to put away some money. I'm going to take care of some things. In other words, give me my check back, brother. <laughs> it's an example. I need it for second service. Be here second service. Listen, you guys said you love me already, so I'm not worrying about it. But my point with that is this. Listen, you begin to count it as yours. And because you accept it as more than just a piece of paper, because you understand the principle of promise, and you've received that promise as yours, you accurately and correctly access and begin to live by its value. And the same is true with God's promises. Listen, God's promises are greater than your circumstances. Think about this. You begin to organize your life every other week or every week, whenever you get paid, according to a piece of paper that you get. But it's not according to the paper, it's according to the promise. 
And God's promises work in the same way. They are greater than your circumstances. They are greater than that than, than what you can conceive on your own. They go past the limits we have in and of ourselves. And if we learn to live by them, they will lead us to his purposes for life. They will lead us to the next steps he has for us. And they will reveal and lead us to the good things he has prepared for us to do. Now, I don't want you to take my word on this. I want to take you to some portions of scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, now to him, meaning God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory to the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is a powerful portion of scripture because what it tells us is how God functions. It tells us that God goes beyond our limited understanding, our limited ability to think, our limited ability to see according to imagination, that God works immeasurably, immeasurably above that. But it's according to the work in us. And you know what's the most powerful portion of this scripture? It's the word amen. And I'm going to tell you why, because here's what God says. So be it. This is how I come, I bring it all to pass in your life. This is how I operate. I know that my promises seem bigger and greater and grander and, and impossible in your view. But because I have decreed it and I have declared it and you agree with my word and you believe it and you're functioning according to it, so be it. Now about three of you got that and said, amen. But here's what God says. He says, so be it unto you. So be it. See, these are powerful words. In essence, God is saying, this is how I do it. This is how I work in your life. And see, God does more than you can handle, but it's up to you to cooperate with the power at work within you to do it. Therefore, you must consider, we must consider what Romans 4.16 says. It says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. It comes by faith so that it may be by grace and, and so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offering. That's you and me. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. And so what we see here is that God has given you and I his promises and they are more than we can handle on our own. But they're not given to burden us, nor to frustrate us, nor to weigh us down. God has given us these great and precious promises so that you and I can discover the power of our faith as we step into this place of trust. Now, I'm pretty sure that I'm sitting in a room and there are people online watching you say, I trust God. But let me ask you, is your trust in God taking you beyond your limited thinking? Because if you can fit God and what God has called you into your thought process alone, then guess what? It's not God. It might be good, but it's not God. God works immeasurably above, beyond what you could ask or imagine. See, you can have faith. In yourself, you can have faith in people, you can have faith in man made ideas. My point with this is this that everybody operates according to faith, whether you believe in God or you don't. 
We all believe in something. We all trust in something. We all envision life according to something. And while that may provide you some results, it will not provide you the great promise that your life holds according to the plan that God put in motion before you even thought of. God is that good that before you could even think about the good things he had for you, he already put them there. Listen to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. It is by God's favor alone that you have been faith, that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. See, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's not what we do for God. It is the gift of God. Watch this. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. That's the word masterpiece there in the Greek. Created in Christ Jesus, watch this, to do good works. You were created to get great results, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So faith is our gift from God to step into the realm of life where we can't, but God can. And that's the invitation, that's the opportunity that you and I have on a daily basis. Even right now, this faith in God should be driving you to better things because it's building you, because it's, it's creating in you an expectation that God can do what he says even though you can't understand it on your own. Listen, the results of faith in God are phenomenal. They lead us to what the scriptures call good works. But let me tell you what that word, those words, good works, are. They're, they're, a, they're a combination of uh, two Greek words that make up the word agathos. And that Greek word means useful. It means good. It means pleasant. It means joyful. It means happy. It means excellent. Listen, it means distinguishable results. And so these were prepared beforehand for you and I. There is something that God has that does not fit the mold of what you think, of what people tell you, of what you've learned in school, of what this world offers you. It goes way beyond that. The question is, are you thinking that way? Are you stepping out to that extent? You know, it, it's like football. Anybody like football? Yeah. Right? Okay, it's a bunch of guys. What, what is it? Women don't like football these days? What's wrong with football? Uh, listen, you know what's interesting about football? When the quarterback throws the ball, he doesn't throw it where you are. He throws it where he wants you to catch it. And that's the same way that God's promises work. God has given us these great and precious promises. He's saying, go for it. But for some of us, here's what we're doing. We're saying, I'm right here. And he's going, no, the promise is over there. You just got to go receive it. You just got to step out. See, God has given you and I more than we can handle. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you and I could handle it on our own, we wouldn't need them. We wouldn't need them. We wouldn't need them. And we certainly wouldn't be living according to his promises and the guarantees that it gives us for life. And so the Bible records a moment in history uh, in the life of three Hebrew men who faced a critical point in their walk with God. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And these young men were part of the captivity that fell under Babylon after Israel had been conquered. Um, and in spite of this, God made a way for these men to be in the trusted council. 
the royal court of the Babylonian king, a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. And so these guys had influence in the kingdom. And most likely they served as a great symbol of hope to the people of Israel while in captivity. You got to understand this. They were slaves. They were conquered people who went from slavehood to the palace. God had made a way for these men to exert influence. And so as we'll see soon enough, because of their position, they were able to ensure that God's hand could touch and reach a godless people. But despite the favor of God that they had upon their lives before the king and before the people of Babylon who detested them, there came a day when they faced more than they could handle in the natural. And they, has to, they had to trust God's promises over their lives. And so I, we'll get into to this. We're going to read in a second so you could turn to Daniel chapter 3. But in the interim, I'll give you some, some background as to what's happening here. So the king one day has a great idea in his own estimate. He goes, ah, I've got a phenomenal idea. Let's make a statue, and it's going to be huge. It's going to be made out of gold. And here's what we're going to do. He says, get me all the satraps, get me all my governors, get me all my royal court, get me everyone. Everyone in my council, bring them all here. And he says to them, I've got a great idea. I've built this great, amazing statue, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a symphony of instruments. There's going to be lyres and harps and horns and all kinds of stuff. And, and, and when, when, they, when the symphony begins to play, here's what's going to happen. Everybody in the entire nation is going to bow down and worship my statue. And they all go, man, that's a great idea. And then all of a sudden, it starts, the symphony. And, all, and, they, and they announced this to all the kingdom. And here's the thing. The kingdom wasn't just in Babylon. It was in all the nations. And so when the announcement comes, they say, attention, all nations. When you hear this symphony, bow down and worship the king's statue. And, 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 and you know, we're, we're going to pray to this statue and no one else. And whoever decides that they will not bow down or pray to this statue, we're going to throw them in a fire. We're going to throw them in a furnace. And so when the symphony plays, everybody drops. And the Bible says that at that moment, the king's astrologers come to him and say, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, hey, I got to tell you what happened. You know that decree that you issued? When it went out, everybody fell down. But these Hebrew guys right here who were standing next to us. And the Bible says that the king was distressed by this situation. Now, it's important to understand that this is a grave problem for these men because they were devout servants of God who now faced the mounting pressure to bow down not only to this statue, but to the popular opinion dictated by the people around them. And it's important to mention that God did not lead them into this situation. God, God didn't do that. He didn't orchestrate this moment as a means to test them or teach them anything. So let's see what happened in Daniel 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? And now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. 
But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. So watch this. They're, gonna, they're saying two things. They're saying God can do it. But then watch where they go from this point. It says, um, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They believe that God is that good, that they're not moved by this furnace. Right? And so it goes on to say, but even if he does not, and there's not doubt there. They're just simply saying, listen, whether it happens or it doesn't, we've made our decision about God. And so they say, uh, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed, and he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men uh, that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. You see how the king's opinion changed all of a sudden? So, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Somebody needs to hear that. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I think we can all agree that in the natural, these men faced an impossible situation. But we learn a valuable lesson from their lives. And it's this, it's that when we are faced with impossible situations, we must take hold of a greater possibility. I'm going to say that again. When we are faced with impossible situations, we must take hold, we must have a hold of a greater possibility. See, that's where God comes into the picture. See, to overcome the impossible, you need a greater source of power to make it through. 
That's why we have God's promises. And so when you trust in God's promises, it gives you the ability to receive more than you can handle, but not just to receive it, to do it. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to leave you with just three simple points about some lessons that we learn in regards to what God has given us with his promises. And the first thing I want to say to you is that God's promises are a size too big, but it's so that you can grow into them. Amen. I'm going to say that again. God's promises are a size too big so that you can grow into them. Listen, if you ever get a word from God, if you ever get a glimpse of what God is saying to you, where he's trying to lead you, I can assure you this, that here's going to be your reaction. My grandson does it best. This is his new thing. I don't know where he got that from. It could be a toy. He goes, he's like so amazed. And I can assure you that when it comes to anything that God speaks to you, that God shows you ahead of you, it's going to be one of those moments. See, these men started as, as a part of the king's royal court. But notice at the end of this circumstance that they were promoted to greater authority than all the Babylonians among them. They were able to do more, to get further, to get farther, to accomplish greater things because they trusted in something and specifically in someone more than themselves. For most people, we approach relationship with God backwards. Now, you already said you love me. So I just want you to hear the truth. Isn't it true that for most of us, we believe we'll trust God more when God does more? Isn't that true? God, I'll believe what your word says when you do it first. See, here we are waiting for the ball. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm the quarterback. You got to follow my ways. For those of you that are in Kingdom Foundations, man, you are in for it this week. We're going to be talking about the laws of faith. It's going to be great. I don't have time to get into that here. But listen, faith really does call us to move forward. Not just forward, but outward. Out of our comfort zone. And so it's the reason why for some of us we cease to grow or we never grow at all in our relationship with God. We're saved, but we're stuck. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Notice that God's divine power has given us everything. But watch how it functions. It functions according through our knowledge of Him. Verse 4, Through these He has given us great and precious promises. So that through them, through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Watch the increase. Add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. 
For if you possess these qualities, watch this, in increasing measure. See, that's why the Bible says we go from faith to faith. You had faith for Jesus, but your faith is supposed to take you to a next step. Man, I got to chew on that one. See, for some of us, it's easy to stay in the realm of what we can see and do in our strength. But the danger in this is that we remain limited in our vision for life. We miss possibilities. And instead of growing stronger, we grow weaker. And above all, we miss what God has for us. We miss it. And so from these verses, what we see is that living by God's promises is the very thing that makes room for us to grow in increasing measure. And to live an effective and productive life according to the knowledge of Christ. I don't know about you. What's the point in believing in God if it doesn't create something greater? If it doesn't cause us to grow? Otherwise, we're wasting our time. So if you're going to serve God, if you're going to seek God, then go for the increase. Grow according to his promises. Listen, God's promises are a size too big. That's a given. Trust me. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I know what it is to step out into the unknown. I know what it is to start a ministry from scratch and with what appears to be nothing and see God's promises only and hold on to them and watch God do some amazing things. It's the reason why we're here today. Not because of me, because he's good, because he's faithful. And that's the same God you serve. That's the same God that's calling you out into greater things. The second thing I want to leave you with here is that if your problem is too big for you, it's just the right size for God. If your problem is too big for you, it's just the right size for God. Listen, there is no denying that these men were facing an enormous challenge. An enormous challenge. I remember one time sitting in a diner with some guys, this was a few years ago, and, and for whatever reason, we, we ended up talking about the end times. It was something that kind of came up and, you know, they, they were talking about, you know, how in the end times there'll be persecutions and all these things. And, and I remember asking the question, if it came to dying for what you believe, are you ready? And, you know, what shocked me was, and this is a good friend of mine, but what but he said was, I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I could do that. Listen, that's the situation that these men were in. Can I, can I say this to you in love? You need to know what you would do in that situation. Your faith needs to be that resolved. See, because without that kind of faith, you can't even begin to trust God. That's the truth. We can't even begin to trust God if we don't have a faith that's resolved on who God is in our lives. But these guys, they were unmoved by the threat of death. And the question is why? Listen, these guys were bound in ropes and they were overtaken by guys who picked things up and put them down. <laughs> these guys were huge. They were the biggest guys in the king's army. They were much stronger than them. And as they were being overtaken into a blazing furnace, this did not faze them. You know why? They knew that God could do what they couldn't. They knew that God could do what they couldn't. 
Oftentimes, we waste opportunities to overcome challenges because we think incorrectly and ask the wrong questions. We wonder, what if it doesn't work? We question, what if I don't make it? We, we, we begin to envision, well, what's going to happen when I fall? These guys believed differently as evidenced by their response to the challenges before them. Let me speak to, you, to your heart personally right now as it pertains to God's promises. You might find yourself in the midst of a smoldering furnace of worries. But according to Hebrews 12, 29, what's a blazing furnace of worries to a God who is an all-consuming fire? Listen closely. You might find yourself facing a mountain of troubles, but according to Psalm 97, 5, what's a mountain of troubles to a God who causes the mountains to melt like wax before him? Listen, you might be in the eye of a storm brought about by people and their accusations and, and, their, and their opposition to you. But according to Mark, 34, Mark chapter 4, verse 39, what's a storm of raging people to a God who commands the winds and the waves and the storms to be at peace? And he says, peace, be still. Listen closely. The only way you can overcome the smoldering effects of a fire is if you yourself are already burning with a passion, with a faith, with a trust in a God that's greater than your circumstances. These guys were already on fire with a passion and a love and a trust in God. They believed the promises of God were greater than the circumstances in the furnace. Listen to Isaiah 42, verses 2 and 3. It says, when you pass through waters, I will be with you. You need to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that. When you pass through the waters, man, I feel like I'm above my head, like I'm drowning. I'm with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. I know it feels like the pull and the sway of life and circumstances and things that, that they're overtaking you. But listen closely. They will not sweep over you. God is with you. When you walk through a fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You cannot afford to let the flame of your faith go out because it gives you the ability to take on more than you can handle as you keep your trust in God and hold to his promises. I'm going to say this to you. Go get yourself a promise. Go get yourself a promise. Stop waiting for somebody to tell you what God's promises are. The scriptures say that he has given us his great and precious promises, but it's according to the knowledge that you intake, that you partake of, that you begin to participate in. Listen, when you, be when you begin to take a hold of God's promises, it's not just something you can regurgitate. You see yourself in it. It's no longer Joshua facing a wall and, and, and having to overcome a great enemy. It's you standing there watching God bring down the walls of your challenges in your life. The last thing I want to leave you with here today is this. That the only way to find the limits of the possible is to go beyond them into the impossible. I'm going to say that again. The only way to find the limits of the possible is to go beyond them into the impossible. 
I get it, man. Our natural inclination is to spin our wheels contemplating, how's this going to work? What's possible? Is it possible? The problem with that way of thinking, though, is that we never approach the line of our limits. Remember, God does exceedingly abundantly above, beyond what you could ask or think. You know what the line is? Here's what we envision, and God says, come closer to that line. You see that edge? Now look up at me. Listen closely. Listen closely. If you're going to step into the realm of God's promises, you're going to have to step over the line of what seems possible to you. You know, there was a day where people looked at the moon and said, man, I wonder what it's like over there until actually somebody got a vision and said, well, let's get there. Let's try. Let's dare to defy the atmosphere. Let's dare to defy uh, the, 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 what science says. Let's dare to go beyond the opinion of men. Well, guess what? We got there. But it took someone believing that they could go beyond the limit. And so, listen closely. The only way you'll ever know if you can trust God is to trust Him. Now, get this. That's the line. That's the dividing line. See, God's saying, trust me. And we're saying, God, give me something to trust. And he's saying, I've already given it to you. It's my promise. It's my promise. And I know it seems like it's more than you can handle, but step out and watch how I work in your life. Psalm 37, 5 and 6 says, commit your way to the Lord. In other words, you take the way you go. The plans you see, the things that, you, that you're trying to do. He says, commit them to God. Trust in Him, not in your plan. And He will do this. Watch this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Don't waste any more time waiting on God to prove that you can trust Him. Listen closely. Trust God. Trust God. Now, I'm going to tell you as we stand here and we come to a close that I know this sounds risky. I know that this takes us to a place of extreme uncomfortability. But let me ask you this. Do you want to stay where you are? Or do you want to live the life and see the good work that God has planned for you? Guess what it's going to take? I know it's more than you can handle. But that's good news because it takes you to the place where we all need to remain. God, I need you. And God, I trust you. Trust him today. Now, today, here's what's going to happen. We're going to leave here. We're going to leave here. But I want you to consider that what we've listened to today is not my opinion on anything. It's God's word. For some of you, you know what God's speaking to you about. You know what God's calling you to. And you're still looking to people. And you're still waiting on somebody to do something for you or to co-sign or confirm what God has already spoken to you. You're trusting people. You're not trusting God. And here's what God says. Step out and watch the immeasurably great power, the release of all that I've called you to, 
begin to come to pass. Take a step. Cross the line. Trust God. Amen. Father, today we declare with, all, with our hearts. We go past our thinking, past our minds. Lord, we say we trust you. God, we, today we dare to imagine, to envision, to dream, to call out things that seem greater, that go past what's possible, and people look at us and they say, you're crazy. <laughs> today, Lord, we burn hotter than the flames of circumstances because we believe in you and we dare to step out. Now, it's very possible that there's someone here today and the greatest challenge that you faced so far is trusting God. It's not just trusting God, but it's believing that he is your God. And today you find yourself in this place where you realize, man, I've been living out of this box and it's been comfortable, but there's limits here. There's a whole world outside of there, a whole realm of possibilities, a whole realm of healing and, and restoration and redemption and change and newness for life. And God's inviting you to step out. To come out of that place and watch him do great things. If you believe that God's calling you today, then here's what you need to know. That before you ever could step out the box, God stepped out the box and became a man. And the reason why he became a man was to pay the price for sin. The very thing that kept us bound, that kept us in the box. And the reason why he did that was because you and I couldn't break out the box on our own. And so he says, I'm going to come to be just like one of them. And I'm going to break the box for them. I'm going to pay the penalty of sin. I'm going to die the death of a sinner. But I'm going to raise up in newness of life so that they too can rise up in my triumph. If you believe that today with us, then pray this with us as we come to a close. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. I believe you broke the box. Today I declare with confidence that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior, that you are my God, and that I can step into greater things from this point forward. If you believe that with us, we're celebrating the goodness of God in your life. Don't leave here without telling somebody your decision. Go ahead and message us online. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for an immeasurably, exceedingly, abundantly, a great life according to your promises which we take hold of. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thank you for joining with us. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.